What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to a much-awaited Coast Coast podcast. We got the whole crew back. We're going to be talking some NBA. A lot of stuff's been going down since we last joined y'all, but first and foremost, boys, how we doing? Amazing. Glad to be back. Hey, I think this is the first podcast we've ever had to end the season, and Jose can talk about the playoffs for his team. So, And not just squeezing <laughs> in, not just squeezing in, they're doing fantastic. So let's lead off yeah. the rise of the Sacramento Kings this season. I think I know we were all pretty high on them coming in this season. Uh, we thought that maybe they'd be around like a six to eight seed, but they've exceeded everyone's expectations. One of the best offenses in basketball. They go out and make a trade last season. They trade the promising young guard in Tyrese Halliburton for, you know, a big man that's kind of mixed opinions everyone has on DeMontis Sabonis, who is now going to likely be the third team all NBA center. Uh, there would be a shock if he wasn't. The only reason why he wouldn't be is if they somehow made some rule and made him a forward and he got higher. But yeah, yeah. Jose, I'll let you start I'll, off. I'll, real quick, uh, off of the new CBA, does that take place this year where they have the positionless uh, all NBA teams or is that like next in a- it starts next year? Okay, okay. Yeah. Because if it's positionless, I feel like he should be second or like there's a case for first. Yeah. But as far as his impact, you know, for our team, like he is our Nikola Jokic, essentially. And I really like I really have to credit everything to Mike Brown because I know the days of having, you know, a solid roster that had some decent expectations going into the season and then they just fucking flop and then at the deadline just everyone gets sold and we just did nothing but Mike Brown figured out you know how to get these boys to run and run it through Fox which is what we should have been doing for the past like five years like I don't know what all of this you know mess was last season before the trade and just I don't know but I'm glad that the trade happened though because this is the most exciting time to be a Kings fan in my life and probably like a couple generations' lives. Uh-huh. 100%. I mean, one of the guys, you know, we talked about Sabonis. Uh, I kind of opened up to both you guys. Kevin Herter's been fantastic. He's having a career season. He's kind of this guy, like, pushing that MO, the light, the beam, you know, that whole mantra with the team. Um, like, was this a real surprise to see a guy, you know, you know, he's a fine guard. You know, he's nothing crazy, but he's averaging 15 a game, shooting 40 from three. Uh, he's been kind of one of those, like, key, like, you almost want to call him a veteran at this point. I mean, he's been this year, uh, the NBA a couple seasons. What are your thoughts on Kevin Herter? Yeah, I mean, considering how young, you know, most of this team is, and especially, you know, in terms of experience in the playoffs, this guy, this is a guy that's, like, gone on a deep run. Like, if y'all remember that, you know, Hawks run a couple of years back, like he was a big part of that and he he has tremendously made this all work because of the spacing that he provides and just like all of these dribble handoffs that he has with Sabonis that usually you know are are just easy shots for him easy looks you know top of the key corner and I mean it's it's what we've been missing for a while you know like a lengthy space floor spacer Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And Carson, I mean, obviously, like, we're a more Golden State-centric, but, like, your thoughts overall on just how Sacramento's been this year? Um, I think it really just starts with, you know, 
I feel like the front office just being so terrible for so long now that it was like all that like you know all those terrible decisions just built up like and somehow some way they, they finally had to make something good right and I feel like all those years combined into this year where it's like every move worked. Like obviously you start with the trade, you know, losing Halliburton, you know, that's really tough, but getting back Sabonis, I mean, like really one of the only like win-win trades that we've really seen in NBA history, like, um, you know, getting him and he's just like an offensive engine for you guys. You know, the Herder signing was great. The Monk signing was great. The Keegan Murray traffic. I remember, you know, everyone was like, ah, oh, like, you know, why didn't they take Ivy? You know, Ivy's going to go on to be some massive megastar now that the Kings didn't take him. Right. And now you see, it's like, Murray was perfect. He literally was perfect for you guys. He was not a bust at all. Um, you know, Barnes has been solid. Just, you know, all the moves to, you know, make this team this year have been great. And then obviously the Mike Brown signing, who didn't really have too much success, um, you know, in a while as a head coach. Um, but, you know, you trust him coming from the Warriors system and just really a perfect storm of a lot of solid moves in the offseason and just, you know, setting up such a fun team. And I feel like out of the West, like they have to me, like the best overall skill like they they're the best offensive team in the league and they're the one that like even though they don't play any defense they have the strongest like one skill set which is offense like they right. have the scariest offense out of anyone in the west which is why i think you know we'll get to their ceiling right now it's like you know i can see them being around one exit because they're getting unlucky you know possibly playing the warriors but really the west is so wide open that their offense just could be so strong that it could just it really could get them as far as they want to honestly yeah yeah, I mean, Jose, what are your thoughts on that? What are your, like, realistic, like, expectations for this team? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's hard to have expectations when you've never seen your team in the playoffs. So, like, it's kind of like a, you know, we are obviously happy to be here, but this team is legitimately, you know, could go on a run. And all we've really got to do is just get hot, right, and win four games in a series. And whether it's the Warriors or whether it's, you know, the Lakers or the Clippers, whoever, like, we're going to play who's in front of us. And we're just going to keep playing like we've been playing, like, mm. regardless. You know, they can say that we don't play defense. They can say that, um, you know, we're going to we're gonna get swept in the first round. But I want to see it. I'm, I'm ready to see it. Like, let's you go. You got really unlucky getting set up with Golden State, who haven't – I mean – they haven't showed that championship pedigree yet this year. It's been really like, you know, lackluster, just like, you know, little glimpses here and there, but it's like never anything really serious. But now it's like all, of course, now it's like Andrew Wiggins is deciding to come back and, you know, they're going to be at full strength going to the playoffs. So that's, that's a tough break, but who knows? We'll see. I mean, you know, we, you know, he's just coming back. You guys can easily just, you know, with that home court advantage, we're terrible on the road. Who knows? Who knows? Great on the road, which is, which is crazy. That's been like our MO all year. It's like we're like the best team in the West away from home. No, yeah. 25 and 15 at the moment. Top of the I think you're the only like one of, if not the only team like above 500 on the road in the West. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, let's see. No, yeah. the fact they, are the, that, they are currently the only team above 500 on the road in the West. Wow. That's insane. Uh, Lakers are 500, but that's. I mean, the Clippers are 500, so yeah. that's the next closest. I mean, so kind of diving into the playoff matchup, at the moment, uh, the playoffs were to start today. The Kings would face the Clippers, which I think they have a really good chance. I think they could, like, legitimately win that game in, like, that series in six games. Um, who was, Sabonis' like, stat line would be 
yeah. gnarly against the Clippers. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess ask both you guys if you're you're the Kings, like who's the team you want to face the most and the least based on where the standings are right now? I mean, the most probably the Clippers, just because I know for a fact, like we can go toe to toe with them. And if y'all remember that quadruple overtime game in which, you know, Malik, it seemed like Malik Monk and Fox were like going back and back, like Wheezy and Gunna just, <clears throat> buckets it was crazy so i mean that that would be a fireworks you know type of series to watch for sure as far as least favorite i probably probably the lakers just because you know it's kings lakers and the playoffs we all we all know how that goes and they've been <clears throat> one of the hottest teams as of late i mean you got their yeah. two stars yeah. healthy you know ar 15's been doing you know and one D'Lo been balling. And he's, yeah, D'Lo's been averaging 17 a game for them. Uh, Carson, do you have any, you know, contrary to the uh, Jose's opinions? Yeah, I I agree. I probably wouldn't want to see the Lakers right now just because they are, they're firing on all cylinders. They're healthy, you know, at this moment right now. You know, you know who knows if that's the case, you know, if they, you know, if they're still in it two weeks from now, three weeks from now, whatever. But yeah, probably them. Um, I mean, the Warriors, though, you can't argue that, like, if you would want to see the Warriors, it would be right now when they are just still slightly discombobulated with, you know, Wiggins, you know, still, you know, you know, getting his feet under and whatnot. But regardless, like, that championship pedigree, like, could come out at any moment. Um, I mean, yeah, I'd probably say I'd want to see the Clippers just because they, they probably wouldn't even have Paul George yet if you guys played them in the first round, I'm assuming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it, it will be uh... – uh, the Clippers are a tough team to watch. I mean, we'll do a little sidetrack with them. Like, realistically, they're not going to make it to the finals, you know, win the finals, so on and so forth. Like, Yeah, let me see Westbrook in the playoffs. Like, let me see Westbrook in crunch time. Oh, well, I mean, who knows if, you know, Tyler would actually let that happen. But, but like, what? Like, what's the next step for this team? Like, they went all out. They got rid of Shea Gilligas-Alexander, who, you know, that ended up being, you know, one of the most – you know, probably one of the poorest trades for the Clippers because they lose an all NBA first team caliber guard. And in return, sure, they get Paul George. He's nice, but he doesn't play anything like he has since he was in OKC. And they don't even get a conference finals appearance out of this. I mean, like, what do you do if you're the Clippers? They're in a really tough spot because they really did go like championship or bust. I mean, and it's not because, like, their two biggest assets, Kawhi and PG, aren't the same level of assets because they're older. They have a lot of injury history. Kawhi is someone that you have no idea. He's, like, you have no idea what he's going to do. He, like, you know, no communication at all. He could easily just, you know, get up, leave, do whatever. He could go MIA for six months. Like, they're they're in a really, really tricky spot. I mean, they're lucky that they have an owner in Steve Ballmer that is – he'll – He's shown that he has the money. He'll do whatever it takes. But the problem is they just like they've set themselves up where they don't have a lot of a lot of outs. And I don't know. I feel like you see what you do in this postseason and then, you know, maybe see how it goes for the next season. But then if, if you're like 500 or below at like next year's trade deadline, then you really have to start considering like what can we get? How could we get an out similar to like, you know, how the Nets were, you know, this mm-hmm. season? Yeah. Yeah. 
No, it's really tough because I feel like I feel like they put all their eggs in this basket of like you know Kawhi and PG, and then obviously, you know PG ended up being the number one for this team for most of this you know experiment that that they've had going on because Kawhi is just never available. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when he has, he's been great. But the problem is like he's rarely available. And for a guy that you know you're paying as much as you are, and you know you're expecting to lead your franchise to a, a championship it's like it, it puts you in a in a really tough spot to you know do you let go of this guy or you know, do we just do we just keep running it back because we were so close you know two seasons ago or whatever it was yeah I mean also they don't have any young talent like Bones Highland is their most promising young guy <laughs> with like yeah. you know Brandon Boston Jr. and Terrence Mann but like that's not a core you can build around like yeah I know it's confusing because I guess like, well, let's say you trade Kawhi. Let's say one of those teams in the top like pens willing to trade for Kawhi. Like, how many of those teams would really want him? You know, because I mean, you're not going to be able to land. You know, you know, trade for a top three pick. Like, especially in this draft, like people are not going to move their picks away. Um, like, I, I don't really know for this team. It's just especially with a new arena coming in the next couple of years. The last thing you want to do is move a dumpster fire of an organization into that arena. Yeah. So it's brewing though. It's it's coming. No, yeah. The the downfall of this team is evident. I mean, you gotta make a move, you know, sooner or later. So uh kind of diving into more of the playoff stuff. We got Phoenix, you know, made the biggest trade probably in NBA history with going out and getting Kevin Durant, you know, in exchange for Bridges, who's been fantastic, as we mentioned before. Uh, we started this podcast. Can Phoenix go all the way? I mean, Bill Simmons, uh, I listened to a lot of him. He says, you know, Kevin Durant is the most, like the best plug and play superstar in NBA history because he's the guy, you give him the ball, like he can do anything out there in the court and you don't have to build a team around him. You can maybe plug him in like he's a three and D guy. So uh, Carson, I'll start with you. Like, do you think with this small amount of time Durant's played, I think eight games at this moment with this current roster, can they make a playoff run? and maybe even get back to the finals? Um, the simple answer to can they go all the way? Yes, because a couple of reasons. One, because the West really is, I think we can all agree, the West really is so wide open. You know, in the East, it's, it's clear. Like, I think we all realize it's going to be either Milwaukee, Boston, or if it goes right for them, Philly. You know, and, and, and there's more question marks with them than the other teams. It should be one of those three teams, right? I feel like we can all agree with that. In the West, I feel like there's a case for seven teams, eight teams. It's like if this happens, this happens. It's that wide open. There's so much parity in the West. I think for the Suns, they have as good of a case as anybody because you have one of those guys. I mean, there's only so many guys that are like alpha dogs that can win a championship. You know, it's Giannis, it's Curry, it's it's Ron, KD. Um, you know, they have him. Four guys that they have. Um, Durant, Aiden, CP3, Booker. They have enough there. I just worry about the supporting cast. That's like the biggest. And I think, honestly, next year would be the year for them. They can bolster the supporting cast and they have a full year of KD under the belt. Yeah. I mean, Jose, what are your thoughts on that as well? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to agree. Um, like, regardless of how, you know, how many games KD has played or hasn't played, like, this is a guy that is going to get to his spots. He's going to make shots especially in the playoffs and especially off of you know two other 
potentially three other big threats in you know DeAndre Aiden, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul. Like this is this is a team that can get hot and you know make shots, especially in the playoffs. Like Chris Paul's got crazy playoff experience. Booker's been there. Aiden's been there now. Like this, we we could be seeing this team just cruise for a second and then you know run into a Nuggets or whoever. And Aiden's had good playoff success, you know, regard like outside of his regular season play. Like he's a guy that you can trust to at least like make Nikola work, Jokic work if you end up facing them, uh, you know, in that four or five, you know, winner four or five matchup, assuming Denver gets out of the first round. So uh, super interesting team. Yeah, I would say they can definitely like you should expect them probably to make get get past the first round and like from there, like who knows i think they could make the finals but it'd be i think it's a year too soon i think a, a yeah box would just give them the work simply enough um, and they're so top heavy that it's like you know you get one injury and it's like yeah it's kind of wraps yeah. yeah i mean like Probably josh kogi's been kind of their main guy like at the three and like if you lose him like what you're starting terrence ross out there in like a must-win playoff game like hey t ross has dropped 50 in the league before though yeah, not 50 years ago, though. But Yeah, that was when I was at, like, Heart Ransom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and then another team that we, we mentioned this earlier that's, you know, been there, done that, reigning champions, Golden State, you know, Andrew Wiggins going through, like, the family stuff he's been, you know, screw all those rumors that people made up. That was terrible. But, uh, you know, you had the feud in the beginning of the season, which may have been a reason why this team's not been as good as they are with the Jordan Poole. Draymond Green stuff, but this might really be one of the last years Golden State can truly make a run. You know, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green both can be looking for new contracts this offseason. Um, Carson, I'll start with you again. Like, what what are your honest expectations with Golden State? Because I I think we might be out in the second round if we make we're able to make it past the Suns. Yeah, I mean the defense has been really alarming this season. I mean it's just been it's just been really bad at some points. Um, and then the road record, I mean, that's just been something. It hasn't been fixed. The defense and the road stuff has not been fixed all year. And obviously those are two of the most important aspects of like winning a championship right there. Um, I think you always just have to, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt, but they definitely don't feel as strong. And I feel like, but the only thing that reserves me from saying that they're just, they're going to get beat straight up is because no one stepped up and like been that team like like to me like the Grizzlies and Nuggets those are like the two teams that like I could have seen them like oh there's no way the Warriors would get past them but like dude the Grizzlies really haven't been all that great the last like month or so and then the Nuggets I mean they have their defensive woes as well so I I don't know I I personally probably say no but ultimately deep down it's like I feel like we all know that they're they're a giant that could be looming whenever we just really haven't seen it yet yeah yeah exactly yeah, Jose. I mean, any more thoughts? Kind of like, it's kind of like Laker fans always like to say, like, "Oh, we're saving it." You know, we're saving it for the playoffs. LeBron's gonna hit the switch, and then, you know, everything everything's gonna work out. That's kind of. But I feel like the Warriors are one of the few teams that like genuinely can actually do that. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, like, come on, this is a this is a a dynasty still, you know, at its core with Draymond, Clay, Curry, especially with Wiggins and especially Gary Payton being back now. It's back, like yeah. the defensive identity is, you know, should be coming around at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think there's a certain level of intensity that, you know, they've yet to hit and they're, they're, they're going to hit once the playoffs start. And um, we got Curry, bro. We got one of those guys. Like Exactly. You got a guy that can be a number one on a championship team and he's proved it before. Uh, you guys were talking, Jose, you mentioned the Lakers. I mean, everybody in the media loves talking about them because, you know, Lakers are a big market team. Everyone loves hearing what's going on with them. No, they've been they've been on a roll, you know, since that trade deadline. I think Jared Vanderbilt, one of the most underrated acquisitions this entire season, um, you know, has been good for them. Austin Reeves, we mentioned earlier, D'Angelo Russell. Jose, do you really think this team is like for real, or like are they just going to get bounced by like a better put together team? I mean, I think I think this is a very solid core for the for the, in other words for the Lakers, especially the acquisition of Vanderbilt like I feel like that's the piece that they were missing in order to go on a run like this because him and AD now on the court together defensively like no one's fucking with that and I mean offensively D'Lo provides pretty much any role that they need if they need him to spot up or if they need him to you know go get a couple buckets like he can do that too and you know it was almost like a perfect acquisition for them that like we see it now they've gotten really hot and it's at the right time and who knows if they can make it to the finals i was just about to bring up like the fact that we have this many teams that we're like dude they could probably go to the finals they probably can't i don't know like the conversation about parity in the nba is crazy mm-hmm. because if it was like we had like two three yeah, I'd say the only thing I get worried about is their lack of shooting outside of, you know, a guy like Russell and Reeves as of late. Like, they don't really have guys that can, you know, help make that, like, climb back if they're down, you know, 15 to a Suns or something like that. You know, I'm worried because, you know, AD, dominant post player, LeBron, dominant all-around guy, but, like, their lack of shooters, I think, could be a problem at the end of the day. But, I mean, we saw them, you know, the Suns beat them a couple of years ago. Like, sure, they win a couple of games, but, like, they handled them and they ended up making the finals. So, um, and you never know with their health, you know. One of the LeBron or ADs da- down, like, even for a game or two, like, they, they can that can ultimately decide the series. So, yeah, for sure. uh, let, let's dive into some disappointing teams. Uh, I think New Orleans and another team we'll mention has got to be at the top of that list. Uh, looking beforehand, I didn't realize how many little amount of games Zion's played. He's averaging less than 30 games a season since he's been a pro. I mean, obviously a big part of that was he didn't play a whole entire season, but I mean, this team was top of the West at one point, uh, like halfway through the season. And now they're scraping in for a playing spot. I mean, like, what are your guys' thoughts? Just sad. It really is sad because one of the questions you have on here, how do you make this roster what they should be? I don't really think it's about the roster at all. I like really, really like this roster. I think it's perfectly constructed. Like I, I love their swing guys. I, I love, you know, the duo of, of Herb Jones and, and Trey Murphy, who's been really stepping up massive um, these last few weeks, you know, Brandon Ingram's a bucket CJ's, you know, solid. I like balance shooters a lot. You know, they have real playoff guys off the bench, you know, Alvarado. I like Najee Marshall. Um, and then Willie Green's a really solid coach. And it's really just, it's all up to Zion. That's the thing. Like you talk about eggs in a basket, like their, you know, ceiling is all on him. And it just sucks when it's 
you know, on a guy that hasn't proven that he can play a full season. You know, I feel like it's it's very similar, like how Embiid was, you know, early in his career. So hopefully, you know, he's still so, so young. Hopefully he can figure it out and, and we can really see this team at full potential because I think if he's there, because we know what he is, he's not a bust. Like, we know what he is when he's healthy. It's just all mm-hmm. on him because when he's there, like, this team, like, could be in that upper echelon for sure because they proved it at the beginning of the season at least. Like, they showed – you know, flashes of a very high ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. Jose, any more thoughts on that? Yeah. It really just sucks. Cause I mean, like Carson said, this is a really well constructed team. Like they've got so many of my favorite guys, like Jose Alvarado, for example, just like such a fun team. That's just missing that guy. But the problem is they have that guy. He just can't get on the court and stay on the court. And it's really unfortunate. Like at this point, you know, you're just kind of, you're just kind of waiting for him to come back. You know, it's kind of like that situation with Kawhi Leonard where you're just kind of left in the dark and you're just waiting for this guy to come back and hopefully he can stay on the court. Yeah. And he's go he's transitioning into a multi-year contract, five years, 194 million, which, you know, if he isn't on the floor, you don't have the money to bring in other people. Like he's taken up a large percentage of the cap. You know, you still got you know, CJ and like Brandon Ingram, I'm just worried they're going to scapegoat one of those guys to try and get their team to have a more well-rounded roster. Because like, you know, with CJ getting older, you could say to them say, oh, like we think Dyson Daniels is going to take a step up. Like let's trade CJ when like you truly need him. Uh, and then, you know, what Valanchunas could be out, you know, who knows. But then the day, like you have an all NBA MVP caliber guy that just can't play games for you. And he might go down as one of the biggest what ifs we've ever seen in basketball. It's simple as that. So another one, we could have a whole episode on this team, the Dallas Mavericks. (laughs) I think they were fourth in the West of the trade deadline. They decide to, you know, roll the dice, trade Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, some other pieces to get Kyrie Irving out of Brooklyn, give him another guy, guy alongside Luca. You know, but at the end of the day, it all comes back to why did they let Jalen Brunson walk? And I just kind of want to know your thoughts on this team, and then uh, I'll say what I got to say. Um. Yeah, I mean, it really is sad that, like, you know, the Mavericks looked into one of, like, one of the most generational guys possible, and they just haven't been able to figure it out. I mean – and is it time to seriously consider trading Luca? I'm not really sure because I feel like you have to hold on to someone like him for as long as you can. But, I mean, Mark Cuban, he's a great owner in a lot of aspects. But when it comes to, like, you know, the actual team building and stuff, and obviously, you know, the GM has, a, you know, responsibility with that as well. But, I mean, you look at the way one had Dirk, right? They won the championship 2011. They didn't make the playoffs after that for, like, a whole decade. You know, that's something. Well, they let Steve Nash walk. They overthought it with Brunson, not just giving him the extension, which now, I mean, if they would have signed him last year to the, whatever he would have been making on that extension, that would have been the biggest steal, you know, easily like craziest contract in the league, you know, with how he's producing right now. Um, it's really tough. And if they, you know, it looks like they might end up blowing this with Luca, and it might get to the point where Luca's like that good. He could just walk out. And it's just crazy how they haven't been able to figure out a roster around a guy like this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, 
it, the thing is they sat the their Kyrie and Luca because they want to get that 10th pick, but they have to get the 10th pick, or if it drops, it's not their pick. It goes to the team that took Jalen Brunson from them in New York. Uh, like that's the crit like we're talking like if they don't get that 10th pick, they don't make a lot of moves. Like I would not be surprised if Luca requests the trade out of there. For sure. And like Let's just hypothetically, like, let's think and imaginary. Where, where would you want him to go? Denver. Pair him up with, with uh, Jokic. Let's mm-hmm. run it. Mm. So, I can't even. Murray, like, Murray, mm-hmm. Porter, and every pick possible. <laughs> Jesus. That would be crazy. I would just only worry about like you take the ball out of Jokic's hands too much with Luca. That's fair. That's like, like it is the most like ridiculous like like two K like putting a team together kind of thing. But like at the end of the day, you have Joker and Luca and the defense. I mean, you know, you'd have to put ton of defense around them. But hey, Shea can dominate without the ball. That's all I gotta say. I was about to say him, him and Shea on the Thunder, bro. They've got the so many role? assets. They can do it. They have so the assets many. to do it. I mean, I mean, and it's gonna take a boatload of shit for Luca. They have, they have, they have it. Wouldn't hurt him. It wouldn't hurt him that much. Hey, but the real question is, does Jalen Williams have to be in that trade though? No, no. <laughs> he would be. He would be. That's really? let's talk about him for a second. He has been crazy. He's a baller. He's a baller. I mean, like. Giving a guy who's averaging 20 points a game as a rookie a run for his money for rookie of the year. I mean, Carson, I know you're really high on Williams. Like, let's talk about him for a second. Yeah, no, I, I well, part of me is like it's it's halfway a joke just because it's like it's Luca. You give up whatever you possibly can to get someone like that. Yeah. But still, it's like that that is really something. It's kind of like with with the rant. It's like obviously you're getting Durant, like let's go, but like giving up bridges, like that was a tough pill to swallow. And definitely with the Thunder, if that was the case, like that would be a really tough pill to swallow losing a guy like that who fits seems like he fits perfectly next to Shea and is um you know just the exact kind of prototype that every NBA team wants Mm -hmm. um yeah that that would be tough but I mean yeah shout out to him man he really is balling um you know what a what a pleasant surprise coming out of the draft I feel like everyone kind of really liked him but no one was really sure like the ceiling of this guy and then all of a sudden like you know after his rookie year it's like we really have to reevaluate this guy's ceiling. Like, what is this guy going to be really good? Is this guy going to be multi-time all-star? Is this guy going to be an all-NBA guy? I mean, it really seems like it, the sky's the limit for him. He, he's shown that much potential just in his, his rookie year. But he would have to go, for sure, to get Luca. And then at the end of the day, you have Luca, you have Shea, and you have whatever collection of role players. Yeah, the they still have picks left over. What they still got Shea. Yeah. yeah. And they have Shea. Ooh, they could throw Chet in there instead. I would throw Chet. I mean, yeah, like, go get a veteran center instead. I mean, so Williams has been averaging last month in April, averaged 20 points a game, six rebounds, four and a half assists, 87 and a half from the line, 46.3 from three, and 56.6 from the field. Like, I just want to be on the record. Paulo is still the rookie of the year. I just want to throw that out there. He still is. But like you said, bro, like, the fact that he's like made it a conversation when it was like clearly like Paula's award is something within itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, so let's say like Luca goes and like then Kyrie's going to another team again, which is just going to be because Kyrie's not going to stay there. You know, that's laughing. 
he could retire for all we know. I mean, you never know with him. Like, he's always got something on his bats. And then the good old running from the grind story. My favorite, my favorite guy to talk about, Damian. Oh, uh, the Portland Trailblazers, you know, people were having them as high as like being a five or a six seed this year. I just didn't believe in it. Like, I thought Jeremy Grant was putting up empty stats in Detroit, which he actually wasn't. You know, he's been solid this year, but it's just not a winning team over there in Portland. Like you've got to hope Shaden Sharp develops, you know, Shaden Sharp and uh, Simons, that's your core going forward. Uh, but like, can he run from the grind or can Portland make him run from the grind? Yeah. Yeah. I want to know your thoughts. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough situation, especially, I mean, I'm around a lot of Blazer fans here. And a lot of them are like, man, we're just trying to tank so we can get, you know, a top five pick and, you know, draft some other superstar to put next to Dame. And I'm like, that is the most, like, backwards, unrealistic logic I've ever heard because Damian Lillard is in his prime right now. Has been in his prime, has been, you know, a top three guard in the league for the past however many years. And you just have not been able to make any significant, you know, championship-esque moves. And they've somehow regressed since trading CJ, which was supposed to be, you know, what elevated them past, you know, the duo of Dame and CJ. They break it up so that, you know, they can focus on just building around Dame. And then now it's like, they're tanking? Uh Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, Carson, uh, what are your thoughts with this whole situation, Portland? I mean, what we've been doing this podcast for what, like two years now? No, almost two and a half. It's getting three towards yeah. the end of this year, so yeah, yeah, about two and a half. I feel like we've had this conversation like at least like twenty times about Dame. It just feels like you know going insane over it. Um, I I just really wish Portland and, and, and you know they're they're very similar to like the Wizards in a sense that they're just like stuck in this perpetual state of being mid even when you have a guy like Dame and I feel like at some point it's like where you have to be realistic like where are you really going with the roster currently being constructed and we all like as NBA fans are all just starving to see Dame you know in the playoffs again you know because he's shown that he does you know not run away from the smoke he steps up in big moments we just all want to see him, you know, competing for a championship. That's all. And I hope it happens. I, I hope Portland, you know, comes to their senses and realizes, like, they could get a really, really, you know, solid trade package for, for Dame. Send him to Miami. Send him to Miami. That would go crazy. What would you guys give up, though? You trade Lowry's contract, expiring contract. You got to throw in Duncan Robinson. You give him, like, Jovich. You give him maybe Gabe Vincent, and then you throw in just a plethora of picks. Because you also got to realize, like, sure, like, Dame is, like, a all-NBA guy, but he's also, you know, trending downwards in terms of wise. So, like, they're not going to have to pay a king's ransom like you would have to for, like, you know, like, Kate. But obviously, KD's a little old, but KD's game's timeless. But Yeah, I, but don't you need, like, you need, like, one player that you can somewhat point to, right? And I feel like none of those guys, you can point to any of them. I mean, Duncan Robinson doesn't even play anymore. No, I'm saying, like, Jovic would have to be the guy that would be, like, the centerpiece. Because they don't really have it, like, like, it would be hard to see a move on from Tyler Hero. I don't think they would budge in that trade. I mean, 
they would have to throw in, you know, probably Oladipo in there as well. But I seriously think if you threw enough picks at Portland, they would do it. I think Hero, I mean, you basically replace they Hero with Dame. One Hero in that trade. I would do that, though. I mean, then you're talking Dame, Jimmy, and Bam. Like That's, that's a first that's serious. That's yeah, a- that's serious. I think that's the best situation. Uh, I was just looking through that before we started. I, I don't know where else you'd want him to go. Especially because we haven't we always wanted to see Dame paired with like a really strong defensive identity, like defensive team, and then you have that with Jimmy and Bam. Like that would, man, that would be that would be a problem. Three guys that can handle the ball. You know, Dame, uh, you can have Dame play off ball, just running screen sets. Uh, you have those three, and then you you just you know through their history you just trust miami to like find like cheap and and solid options to put around them i mean they've been finding those guys for the last like five ten years now with pat riley like yeah that would be crazy with martin all those kind of guys yeah i think it would be great um so let's circle back to some some other i want to talk about ben simmons (laughs) because outside of dame this dude's probably the guy we talk about the most on this channel i mean like I know Carson's had a lot of like he's had a roller coaster like relationship with Ben Simmons. Isn't yeah. Here? So yeah. is he unplayable at this point? Yeah. 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 He's done. Like because like yeah, they got no <laughs> point in playing him. I mean, he provides no value to them. Like they have like sure you can say, oh, they could play center for them. They don't need that. They have Nick, Nicholas Claxton for that. He's been fantastic, defensive player of the year kind of guy. Um, like, what's this whole like Brooklyn situation? You know, they don't really have the draft capital anymore. Like they can't tank. So, like, how how does Brooklyn go about from this? You know, they're probably gonna get knocked in round one, so be it. But you got a centerpiece guy in Mikel Bridges. You just try and trade those depth wings to get like capital or like young guys like what do you guys think Brooklyn? i think they found themselves in a similar situation around like five ish years ago uh when they were like really you know getting hit hard with criticism because you know jalen brown was you know popping off for the celtics jason tatum was popping off for the celtics and the nets were left with no picks no assets and you know it was like how do you rebuild this team and i think it was I believe the GM Sean Marks who, you know, started making some moves to kind of change the team culture. That's when they acquired uh, D'Angelo Russell, you know, they built a really fun team around him. Uh, you know, they moved on from that weird Brooke Lopez era. Uh-huh. And I, I think similarly, that's how they're going to go about rebuilding this team. You know, they're just going to wait for an opportunity, you know, to trade for a guy and, and then just, you know, just kind of let let time run its course. Eventually, you know, the team the team will come around. Yeah. Hey, shout out Sean Marks, though. I met him before. Cool guy. Uh, yeah, I met him last summer. Uh, but let's talk – then let's transition into the Wizards. I think this is one of the most dumpster fire organizations of the last decade. The only thing they have to go for themselves is that John Wall and Brad Beal, like, they had that one run. But, like, this is a, like, horrendous team. And, like, sure, like, Bradley Beal, the average fan, might be viewed as, you know, still, like, one of those top, like, you know, shooting guards in the league. But his contract is horrendous. Like, he's getting paid that super-duper max. And can you really move on from at this point? And, like, how do you make this team better? Uh, Carson, I'll start with you this time. 
man, I mean, that is a great question. We're talking about the Wizards? Yeah, so you got Porzingis, you got Kuzma, Beal. None of those guys are really going to get better. And The Wizards, they're in, like – they're just they're the midgets like they're just like they like it's all it, it really it's not even a roster thing it's really like the front office i mean tommy shepherd has just like you know been stuck in a state of like like not wanting to tank but also like not having enough around to like you know actually like be a championship contender i mean there's really like you know they really kind of like just put themselves in an absolutely terrible spot i mean yeah beal gave him a superstar contract but he's not a superstar you know, I don't know why they didn't trade Kuzma at the deadline. I mean, I'm sure there was a, a, a line of contenders that would have loved to have had Kuzma, you know, especially, you know, in the West. Porzingis, I mean, actually been playing pretty well this season, but I still feel like, you know, that's somewhat still of a distress asset. Um, I mean, they're just, it's really tough. And I just have no idea where they're going to go. And honestly, I don't really care because they've just shown time and time again that they just aren't capable of, you know, fielding a championship level team and they're just constantly, they always want to be stuck and like, they're like, you know, they, they're horny for the playing game. That's what they are every season. They just want to get in the playing game. That's like what they've been for the last few seasons. And like, you just have a multiple two to draft picks that just, they're drafting in such a weird spot. None of them turn into anything. Like Danny, I mean, the Denny pick was tough. The Johnny Davis pick was tough. And it's not like I don't like Denny, but like when you look at all the guys that were around him. Yeah. And even, like, Kispert, like, he's not really that great either. I mean, I was thinking of, like, what's a trade you could realistically do for the Wizards if you want to get rid of Brad Beal? And we were just talking about the Nets. What about if you traded Ben Simmons, like, Cam Thomas in a first for Brad Beal? Because what do the Nets have to lose? I just don't know if they're trading Beal at all. Like, but like they're just gonna like they're stay. Just in, be, they're gonna stay in purgatory with them. That's the only problem. I feel like they're. I feel like they're happy doing that though. Like they're just kind of, you know, content with themselves being a mid ass team. Well, like if you were in the shoes of their GM, like what would mm. you want to do? Um, I would blow the whole thing up. Yeah, yeah. I I'd probably like just fucking scrap the whole roster, and just yeah, you know, same. Hold, but they've shown that they're just not gonna do that. Like, just tank for Cameron Boozer at this point. Like, we, we look far in the future. Like, yeah. And just not- get better at drafting, bro. Like, hire some new people. Hire some better scouts. Like, just get better at drafting, simply. Like, I swear, if they get lucky enough and land Webb and Yama, I might actually, like, break break my wall. Oh, that would like, like they would deserve that. That would be sad. Like, they'd be the last team you'd want to see get Webb and Yama. Because they would probably make the playoffs with him. But, like, yeah. Dude would get so pissed off. He'd probably go back to Mets 92. Like, he would not say in the NBA if he got drafted by the Wizards. Um, Is the lottery coming up in, like, a few weeks? Let's see. Oh, well, we have to see uh, – what's it called? Uh, May 16th. So, yeah, got about a month and, some, a, month and a week. Um, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, then looking at the playoffs, though, uh, we have one match that we know is going to happen. We talked about these teams. Uh, we talked about one of these teams already, but haven't talked about the other. We'll talk about the Cavs, though. Cleveland versus New York. Um, I think huge series, I think, for both sides, uh, especially in Cleveland. Did the Donovan Mitchell acquisition give them the ability to make a run in these playoffs? 
is it, are they too early? Like, do we still need to see Evan Mobley develop, you know, as a shooter, you know, beyond the mid range area? Uh, like, what are your guys' thoughts going into this playoff series? And you, who needs this victory more? I think Cleveland. I think Cleveland just because I feel like they have more of a, a championship trajectory per se. Like they, like, I feel like with Cleveland, like we all realize like they might actually be like a couple of years away from like competing for NBA finals. I feel like we're that high on their young core, especially with, you know, how we expect Mobley to develop. And I feel like this is like this, the kind of series that you want to see them win early on in their trajectory. Um, with that being because like New York, I just I feel like they're still like another asset or two away from being like legit, legit contenders. And with Cleveland, I feel like they're slightly closer to that. But with that being said, this is going to be box office. Like, I feel like this might be my most exciting um, first round series. I think it could easily go seven. The New York crowd is going to be insane. And the Brunson Mitchell matchup. I mean, bro, come on. And Mitchell was the that was the team that people thought he was going to go to, and then he surprises the world and goes to Cleveland. I mean, like yeah. that's another storyline there. Um, mm -hmm. And just like, can Randall prove that he's more than a regular season guy? Because he hasn't so far. I mean, he was horrendous in that last postseason run that they had. I think it was two years ago now. Um, and yeah, I think yeah, New York still has some moves to make. I think RJ Barrett. They might need to pull the plug on him. I think they could. Or I feel like with Cleveland, it's really just like it's just that that small forward. It's just that three. Like that's like the last thing, and maybe bolstering the bench a little bit. But I feel like they're a lot closer than the Knicks. Maybe not a lot closer, but they're closer than the Knicks. Uh, Jose, your thoughts on this series? Team you think may win? Because he took the Cavs, I'm gonna have to say, you know, the Knicks have also got you know, a lot to prove in this series, their first year with, you know, their new, you know, highly anticipated point guard in Jalen Brunson. And he's been, you know, producing at an insane level for them. And so, I mean, him, you know, obviously Randall was a huge disappointment last year. He's got a chip on his shoulder. It's it, like he said, it's going to be box office and it's going to be, you know, back and forth the whole series. Mm -hmm. Hey, can I say something about the Knicks real quick? Go ahead. I, I love Quentin Grimes. Like, he is a winner, bro. Like, every time I watch the Knicks, like, he is always just doing something positive for them, whether it's, like, draining, like, like crucial threes to, like, you know, take a, you know, a 10-point deficit into a 7-point deficit where the other team's got to take a, you know, a timeout, whether it's, like, you know, the defense from him, whether it's, like, you know, momentum swinging dunks. He's just, like, a, a winning dude, and I, I feel like, like that was like a draft pick, you know, everyone talks about quickly and like what a steal he was, but like, I feel like Grimes just doesn't get the same amount of love. And like, he's, he's just as much of a problem as a, uh, as quickly is. And, and I really like how fast the, um the young guys for the Knicks are developing, you know, him quickly top in when they all, you know, like weren't as highly talked about and like highly touted as like some of the other prospects in their, um in their draft classes. Quickly has been on a heater lately. I mean, uh, the first three games of uh, April, he's averaging 28 points a game, shooting 55 from three. He had that huge game against the Celtics. Um, when was that? That was nuts. Like a 30-piece in, like, what, double overtime? Or 38, eight rebounds, seven assists, four steals. 
15 of 28 shooting. Like that was an insane game following uh, the Miami game where, you know, he had a good game as well, but like he might be the X factor why New York can win this series because Mitchell and Garland go out. Like there is no one Garland's not a good defender, but like there's no one on Cleveland's bench that can stop him. Like he would just shred through that team. Like that I'll take the Knicks in seven. Uh, I, I like both teams. I really like the Cavs, honestly, but I'll take the Knicks in seven. I think Quickly's playing his best basketball at the right time of the year and uh, cannot go wrong with that. So uh, any other points to make before uh, you get ready for some playoff time? Nah, man. I'm really excited to see how the West shapes out or shapes up. Excuse me. Yeah, no, we'll definitely come back to you guys when there's uh we had the first round matchups set in place. Give us your give us our picks and uh yeah, it's been uh Coast Coast Podcast as always. Signing out. Peace.